Hi, I'm Grant Dufresne, and welcome to Dufresne Ministries podcast channel. We believe that as you listen to this message, your faith will be stirred and you will be encouraged in whatever you are believing God for today. Stay tuned at the end of this message to find out more information about our ministry. And this is what God spoke to Brother Norville and said, my children basically love me. But they live in poverty and sickness and defeat. Now notice that's what basic love does. Basic, entry level. (laughs) People who just get saved and never go beyond that. Basically, they basically love him. And that's what God said. My children basically love me, but they live in poverty and sickness and defeat. They don't live in heaven's blessings because. Now see, this is what God is announcing. They don't live in heaven's blessings because they don't worship me enough. Notice he didn't say they don't live in heaven's blessings because they don't worship me. He's not saying we don't worship. He said they don't worship me enough. Ah, so a measurement matters. Now, why would he say they don't worship me enough? The important thing of this is to remember something Dad Hagen even would say to us often. He said, praise brings the anointing. And the anointing destroys the yoke. So we could, I think I, I wouldn't do it in injustice by reading it this way. They don't live in heaven's blessings because they don't worship me long enough for the anointing to come and break the yoke. Did you understand that? They don't worship me long enough for the anointing to come and to break the yoke. Then he said this, you're teaching faith and confession. So see, he's doing that right. You're teaching faith and confession. You're praying for the sick. So he's doing that right. But you need, you need to worship me more. So notice this faith Confession and praying for the sick are no substitute for worship. They have their place. They all have their place. You're teaching faith and confession. You're praying for the sick, but you need to worship me more and you need to teach my people to worship me more. Notice people have to be taught to worship more. If they don't, they'll worry more. They'll fear more. They have to be taught what to do more of. If they're not taught what to do more of, they'll do more of the wrong thing. We know that. Why? Because we've done it. (laughs) We've all done more of the wrong thing. But you need to teach my people to worship me more. This is the message. As pastors, teach worship. And wor- that they worship more. As parents, teach your children. I'm their God and they're my children. If you'll teach my children to worship me more, look, listen to this next phrase. I'll do great and mighty things for them. There's a reward for bringing his anointing on the scene. People are just waiting for God to send it and he's waiting for them to set an atmosphere that it can flow in. 
Worship sets the atmosphere so that his help, his anointing, his ability, his power, his glory can come into manifestation. Amen. Don't we know this over in Psalms when it says God inhabits the praises of his people. You say, well, that's Old Testament. It is Old Testament and it's better under the New Testament. We have a better covenant. If he will live in the praises, he lives in us, but he also still lives in the praises. You lay praises on your need and God will get in that need. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I know this at times when I've faced different tests. Every single exit out of every season of test I went through was this, worship. Number one, and you've, if you've read my answer at book, you know it. Some of you probably need to read it again. The first thing you do is when the devil says something, you answer it. You talk to it. The first time you feel something, talk to it. When your emotions try to get out of place, talk to them. When your flesh tries to get out of place, talk to it. When perversion tries to rise up, talk to it. That's what, that's really the totality of Mark eleven twenty three. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea. Not doubt in his heart shall believe those things he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. He's saying this. Things will obey you. Talk to them. Things will obey you. Talk to them. Things will obey you. Talk to them. People are waiting for God to do something and God's waiting for people to talk to them. Exit out of any test is number one. Talk to it. Talk to it. Not talk about it. Talk to it. Talk to it. Step number two. Tell the devil that brought the test to get out. You're not going to stay around my life and repeat this day after day. I'm not, I'm, I'm not your victim. You can answer a test, but if you don't tell them to leave, Jesus always said, you know what Jesus said to devils? Shut up and get out. That's it. Shut up and get out. You don't just tell him to shut up so he can stay around and talk and get him out too. Shut up and get out. Shut up and get out. That's called answering it and then telling the devil to go. So the first step of getting out of any test or overcoming any test, trial, any challenge that comes is number one answer. Talk to it. It Didn't say call pastor. It said talk to it. Number two, tell the devil to leave. Get out. Take your business and go. That's not my business. That's your business. Take it and go. Number three is worship. It's worship. Number one takes about five, ten seconds. Number two, five, ten seconds. The rest of the time is worship. The bulk of your victory is wrapped up in your worship. It's wrapped up in your worship. And if you're going to quit worshiping, you're going to quit winning. Worship keeps the atmosphere set 
for God's movement. That's why you don't just worship. If you tell the devil to leave, you've got to change the atmosphere around you so that you're not tormented and harassed when he sees the atmosphere. Remember what it says about when an unclean spirit is cast out, he goes to the dry places seeking rest, can't find it. He says, I'll go back to my house. He goes back, finds it empty, swept and garnished. Why? Oh, the atmosphere is set for him. It's empty. It's empty. Fill it up. Fill it up. Fill it up. You fill it up with worship. Why? Because praise brings the anointing and the anointing keeps the, is the barricade against the devil getting back in. He'll not only run him out, he'll be a barricade not letting it back in. But if you only worship for like 20 minutes, two days, not enough. I mean, there were days and weeks just worshiping God and worship God and worship God. Amen. What, what, what was I doing? I was filling up the atmosphere around me and it became a barricade against any returning threat. We are not the devil's victim. He can't do something to us anytime he wants. The only time he can get in is when we haven't done right around us. Worshiping God changes the atmosphere around us so that his entrance is, the devil's entrance is barred. It's not about us just fighting the test and going from one test and fighting the next test and fighting the next test. There's going to be challenges, but if we stay in the, in creating an atmosphere around our lives, when those tests come, they have to leave. They can't get in. Jesus was tested every day of his life, but they didn't get in. Amen. The bulk of the time is not in talking to the devil. The bulk of the time is not in talking to the symptoms. The bulk of the time is getting your attention on the right thing that happens through worship. You say, I thought this was a prayer conference. Prayer, the prayer of praise and worship. Dad Hagen thankfully gave us nine different types of prayer. He helped us locate those scripturally. One of them is the prayer of praise and worship. That kind of prayer trumps every other kind. Why is it? Because the other eight will not even work without the prayer of praise and worship attached to them. You understand that? You can't pray the prayer of faith and not worship or not praise. It won't work. The prayer of praise and worship works every time. And it makes the others work. There, if I could say it this way, uh, the prayer of praise and worship is to be the bookend to every prayer you pray. It's to start your prayer and it's to end it. It must bookend every other kind of prayer that we offer. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Now, uh, let's see. Go with me to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Verse 
Jesus is speaking, and we're quite familiar with this passage of the woman at the well. John chapter 4, verse 23, and he says this, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers, ah, true worshipers, evidently there's false ones. What's false worship? Worship that doesn't hit the target. (laughs) Did anybody ever grow up in a church and at the top of the bulletin it said hour of worship? Ain't none of us worshiping. We didn't know what our worship meant. It's called false worship. Or one form of it. Uh, But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father. Then he tells us the components or the ingredients that true worshipers operate in. They worship in spirit and in truth. If your spirit isn't involved, it's not true worship. If your mind is involved, no, 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 that's not true worship yet. Your spirit has to at some point get engaged. How do you engage your spirit? What does it mean to have your spirit engaged? Can I say this? You mean it. Just real simply, you mean it. If you tell someone you love them, did you say it from your heart or not? Well, if you man it. There are some who say it because they're trying to work something. They're trying to manipulate or control. Well, they're they're not genuine. They're not sincere. But when someone sincerely says, I love you, they mean it. That's called from your heart. So he said they have to worship in spirit, not mental, not any. I'm so glad he didn't say emotions and truth. Because some people think because their emotions got going that they really made headway. No, but it's the spirit and truth. Uh, For, look at this, for the father seeketh such. What's he seeking? He's seeking those who worship in spirit and in truth. That's the such. They worship in spirit and in truth. We've got to make sure that when we come to church, and let's just talk about the, the, the praise and worship portion, that we don't just lift our hands because we're practiced. And we leave our hearts occupied with our worries or something that's bothering us. That's not true worship. We can, if we're not careful, we're good at the stance of worship. We know how to look like we're worshiping, appear to be worshiping, but our hearts are somewhere else. And we, it takes a discipline to pay attention. What's your heart doing right now? What's your heart doing? What's your attention doing? Right? To worship in spirit and in truth. How many of you know the word is truth? The word is truth. The more word you get in you, take the word to worship. Take the word with you. Worship him with his word, right? And the more word you get in you, the broader your foundation of worship will be. The broader your expression of worship will be. The more word you you have in you. For the father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit and they that worship him must, ah, must, must, not optional, must, must. Worship him in spirit and in truth. 
Now, why is the father seeking somebody? Why is he seeking people who are believing his word, worshiping him with his word, with their hearts engaged? That's what he's looking for. He's seeking for that. Why? Because if you find someone who's worshiping him based on his word from their heart, now he's got an entrance into the earth. Now he can manifest because that's faith. That's faith. Anytime you worship, that's faith. Why? Because we're worshiping someone we don't see. And faith is for the unseen. Faith is dealing with the unseen. When we're worshiping a father we don't see, we step into faith. We're in the flow of faith. The, the quickest way to get your tongue hooked up to the faith that's in your heart is start worshiping. Start worshiping. Amen. In your home, in your car, at the place of business. So not all, it's an expression of worship. It's worship. You have to have your faith involved. Not only this, can I say this? I think one of the greatest benefits, worship gets your faith going. It gets it moving. The most dangerous thing for a Christian is to have a, a faith with no momentum. Faith that's not making movement. If you're not careful, it ends up like de- it ends up as dead faith. It's still there, but it's dead. It's not moving. There's no movement. Worship gets your faith moving. That's why you want to take time to worship God before you start making requests of God. Dad Hagen used to make this statement. He said, before I make requests of God, I get in the spirit. How, what, one of the best ways to get in the spirit and the quickest ways is worship God. Amen. So we want our faith going. When God, why is God seeking somebody who's worshiping him in spirit and truth? Because they got faith and he knows I can do something with them. I can do something through them. I can use them. Amen. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. Now, Psalms chapter 111, go there with me. Psalms chapter 111, and we're going to start in verse 1. Psalms 111. And verse 1 says this. Praise ye the Lord. I will. Ah, an action of your will. It it doesn't say I feel like. I will. I will praise the Lord with. What? My whole heart. Ah, notice this. He's He's not inviting half heartedness. He's inviting wholeheartedness to this flow. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. Notice this in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. It's inappropriate for us to call ourselves in the assembly and we're not doing what we're assembled to do. We're assembled to bring our whole heart. 
We can't worship God with our whole heart if our attention is on the wrong thing. That means we're going to have to forget about what's trying to trouble us to do this. Amen. And can I tell you, worshiping God is not only your total vacation from, but it's your escape from all difficulties in life. It's your vacation place that you are invited to live at the, at the vacation spot. It's not just a visiting, uh, a spot you visit. It's, it's a place you're not, you can not only visit, but live there. Amen. And if you will come and get around the congregation, and if you're having trouble getting your attention off the wrong thing, come and get in the flow of united worship. And it will carry you into a higher flow. If you, but you're going to have to bring your heart. You're going to have to bring your heart. Don't, amen. Hallelujah. So worshiping in spirit doesn't just involve us. It involves us turning away from our minds and focus our attention on our spirits. Listen, how many times have we been dismissed from our help because we didn't bring our heart? I don't want that for us. Anytime. Anytime. Amen. So, uh, I want, I want you to, I, I want you to listen to something in first Corinthians 14, verse 14 and 15. And if you want, just listen to me. Remember when Paul said, I will pray in an unknown tongue for it, excuse me. If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with my spirit and I will pray with my understanding. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding also. What's he telling you? When you just pray in the spirit or worship in the spirit in other tongues, your mind is unfruitful, meaning your mind got bypassed in this process, which is one way God makes us effective. (laughs) He bypasses, he, he involves us without involving our minds, which is just brilliant on his part. But when we get in the spirit and we worship in tongues, we worship in the spirit or we pray in tongues, pray in the spirit, sing or sing in the spirit or sing in tongues, our mind gets bypassed. Mm -hmm. When you're going through a a test, you don't need your mind bypassed. You need it helped. So he said, my mind is unfruitful. Therefore I will pray with the spirit, but I'll also pray with the understanding. Why? Because I need my mind helped. I will sing with the spirit, but I will also sing with the spirit. I mean, with my understanding, because my mind needs to not be bypassed. When I've gone through tests, I would spend hours and hours praying in tongues and tormented half most of the time because my mind was being bypassed and the devil was still on challenging my mind. The, the victory came when I got my mind involved and I worshiped God in English. When you're faced with a test, your mind needs help. It doesn't need to be bypassed. 
So when you're going through a test and something's weighing heavy on your mind, in your understanding, worship God. Don't just do it in tongues. And if we're not careful, we just spend, we just go to worshiping God in the spirit because we're lazy. We don't want to put forth the mental effort. It's just either and then we're still thumbing through and doing all our other natural stuff. That's a bad habit. That's, that's not why we're given this divine ability of speaking in other tongues so that we can be lazy. You need, we all need to not just, yes, it's, we should worship in the spirit because I mean with other tongues, because our our spirit needs to have articulation, but we need to make sure that if our mind is being harassed, we better get help for our mind. (laughs) And that's in worshiping, using our understanding too. you go. To worship God in truth. Jesus said worship him in spirit. But worship him in truth. Take the word to worship with you. Worship him over his word. Father you said this. I worship you for that. That's true. But can I tell you what else is truth. That you're to worship him with. The times he moved in your past. That's truth. Anytime God manifested himself in your life, that was truth. Why? Because he doesn't manifest a lie. It's all truth. That he, when he moves, it's truth. The time that you needed just $10 and $10 came to you that you didn't earn, that was truth. Worship him with that truth. Say, Father, I remember when you did this for me. That's called worshiping him in truth. The truth of the miracles, the truth of the movements, the truth of the divine answers that showed up. Worship him with that truth. About six months before Ed went home to be with the Lord, God spoke to him and said, if you would talk more about those angels that helped you get that building and paid it off, the angels would do more of it. So I talk about it. Because I want their help. So what was God doing? He was showing a principle. What you recall gets repeated. If you will remember past movements, there will be multiple movements like that. Amen. But if you don't even choose to take the effort to remember, then you're dismissed. You're dismissed from that happening again. What we remember and worship him with, he will repeat it. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at defrayministries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Defray Ministries.